Section 8 of An American Tragedy, Volume 2, by Theodore Dreiser. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Tatiana Chichilla. Book 2, Chapter 46. And then at noon on Tuesday, July 6th, the station platform of the railroad running from Fonda to Utica, with Roberta stepping down from the train which came south from Biltz to await Clyde, for the train that was to take them to Utica was not due for another half hour. And fifteen minutes later, Clyde himself coming from a side street and approaching the station from the south, from which position Roberta could not see him, but from where, after turning the west corner of the depot and stationing himself behind a pile of crates, he could see her. How thin and pale indeed! By contrast with Sandra, how illy dressed in the blue traveling suit and small brown hat with which she had equipped herself for this occasion, the promise of a restricted and difficult life as contrasted with that offered by Sandra and she was thinking of compelling him to give up Sandra in order to marry her, and from which union he might never be able to extricate himself, until such time as would make Sandra and all she represented a mere recollection. The difference between the attitudes of these two girls, Sandra with everything, offering all, asking nothing of him, Roberta with nothing, asking all. A feeling of dark and bitter resentment swept over him, and he could not help but feel sympathetic toward that unknown man at Pass Lake, and secretly wish that he had been successful, Perhaps he, too, had been confronted by a situation just like this, and perhaps he had done right, too, after all, and that was why it had not been found out. His nerves twitched. His eyes were somber, resentful, and yet nervous. Could it not happen again successfully in this case? But here he was now upon the same platform with her as the result of her persistent and illogical demands, and he must be thinking how, and boldly, he must carry out the plans which, for four days, or ever since he had telephoned her, and in a dimmer way for the ten preceding those, he had been planning. This settled course must not be interfered with now. He must act. He must not let fear influence him to anything less than he had now planned. And so it was that he now stepped forth in order that she might see him, at the same time giving her a wise and seemingly friendly and informative look, as if to say, You see, I am here. But behind the look, if only she could have pierced beneath the surface and sensed that dark and tortured mood, how speedily she would have fled. But now, seeing him actually present, a heavy shadow that was lurking in her eyes lifted, the somewhat downturned corners of her mouth reversed themselves, and without appearing to recognize him, she nevertheless brightened, and at once proceeded to the window to purchase her ticket to Utica, as he had instructed her to do. And she was now thinking that at last, at last he had come, and he was going to take her away, and hence a kind of gratefulness for this was welling up in her, for they were to be together for seven or eight months at the least and while it might take tact and patience to adjust things, still it might and probably could be done. From now on she must be the very soul of caution, not to do or say anything that would irritate him in any way, since naturally he would not be in the best mood because of this. But he must have changed some, perhaps he was seeing her in a more kindly light, sympathizing with her a little, since he now appeared at last to have most gracefully and genially succumbed to the unavoidable. At the same time, noting his light gray suit, his new straw hat, his brightly polished shoes, and the dark tan suitcase, and strange, equivocal, frivolous erraticism of his in this instance, the tripod of a recently purchased camera, together with his tennis racket and its canvas case strapped to the side, more than anything to conceal the initial CG, she was seized with much of her old-time mood and desire in regard to his looks and temperament. He was still, and despite his present indifference to her, her Clyde. Having seen her secure her ticket, he now went to get his own, and then, with another knowing look in her direction, which said that everything was now all right, 
he returned to the eastern end of the platform, while she returned to her position at the forward end. Why was that old man in that old brown winter suit and hat, and carrying the birdcage in a brown paper looking at him so? Could he sense anything? Did he know him? Had he ever worked in Lycurgus or seen him before? He was going to buy a second straw hat in Utica today. He must remember that. A straw hat with the Utica label, which he would wear instead of his present one. Then, when she was not looking, he would put the old one in his bag with the other things. That was why he would have to leave her for a little while after they reached Utica, at the depot or library or somewhere, perhaps as was his first plan, take her to some small hotel somewhere, and register as Mr. and Mrs. Carl Graham or Clifford Golden or Gehring, there was a girl in the factory by that name, so if they were ever traced in any way, it would be assumed that she had gone away with some man of that name. That whistle of a train afar off, it must be coming now. His watch said 1227. And again, he must decide what his manner toward her in Utica must be, whether very cordial or the opposite. For over the telephone, of course, he had talked very soft and genial-like because he had to. Perhaps it would be best to keep that up, otherwise she might become angry or suspicious or stubborn, and that would make it hard. Would that train never get here? At the same time, it was going to be very hard on him to be so very pleasant, when, after all, she was driving him as she was expecting him to do all that she was asking him to do, and yet be nice to her. Damn! And yet, if he weren't, supposing she should sense something of his thoughts in connection with this, really refuse to go through with it this way and spoil his plans. If only his hands and knees wouldn't tremble so at times. But no, how was she to detect anything of that kind, when he himself had not quite made up his mind as to whether he would be able to go through with it or not? He only knew that he was not going away with her, and that was all there was to that. He might not upset the boat, as he had decided on the day before, but just the same, he was not going away with her. But here now was the train, and there was Roberta lifting her bag. Was it too heavy for her in her present state? It probably was. Well, too bad. It was very hot today, too. At any rate, he would help her with it later, when they were where no one could see them. She was looking toward him to be sure he was getting on, so like her these days in her suspicious, doubtful mood in regard to him. But here was a seat in the rear of the car, on the shady side, too. That was not so bad. He would settle himself comfortably and look out. For just beyond Fonda, a mile or two beyond, was that same mohawk that ran through Lycurgus and past the factory, and along the banks of which, the year before, he and Roberta had walked about this time. But the memory of that being far from pleasant now, he turned his eyes to a paper he had bought, and behind which he could shield himself as much as possible, while he once more began to observe the details of the more inward scene, which now so much more concerned him, the nature of the lake country around Big Bittern, which ever since that final important conversation with Roberta over the telephone had been interesting him more than any other geography in the world. For on Friday, after the conversation, he had stopped in at the Lycurgus house and secured three different folders relating to hotels, lodges, inns, and other camps in the more remote region beyond Big Bittern and Long Lake. If only there were some way you could get to one of those completely deserted lakes described by that guide at Big Bittern. Only, perhaps, there might not be any rowboats on any of these lakes at all. And again, on Saturday, had he not secured four more circulars from the rack at the depot? They were in his pocket now. Had they not proved how many small lakes and inns there were along the same railroad, which ran north to Big Bittern, to which he and Roberta might resort for a day or two if she would, a night, anyhow, before going to Big Bittern and Grass Lake? Had he not noted that in particular— a beautiful lake, it had said, near the station, and with at least three attractive lodges or country home inns, where two could stay for as low as twenty dollars a week. That meant that two could stay for one night, surely for as little as five dollars. It must be so surely. 
And so he was going to say to her, as he had already planned these several days, that she needed a little rest before going away to a strange place. That it would not cost very much, about fifteen dollars for fares and all, so the circulars said, if they went to Grass Lake for a night, this same night after reaching Utica, or on the morrow, anyhow. And he would have to picture it all to her as a sort of honeymoon journey, a little pleasant outing before getting married. And it would not do to succumb to any plan of hers to get married before they did this. That would never do. Those five birds winging toward that patch of trees over there, below that hill? It certainly would not do to go direct to Big Bittern from Utica for a boat ride, just one day, seventy miles. That would not sound right to her, or to anyone. It would make her suspicious, maybe. It might be better, since he would have to get away from her to buy a hat in Utica, to spend this first night there at some inexpensive, inconspicuous hotel, and once there, suggest going up to Grass Lake, and from there they could go to Big Bittern in the morning. He could say that Big Bittern was nicer, or that they would go down to Three Mile Bay, a hamlet really, as he knew, where they could be married, but en route stop at Big Bittern as a sort of lark. He would say that he wanted to show her the lake, take some pictures of her and himself. He had brought his camera for that and for other pictures of Sandra later. The blackness of this plot of his! Those nine black and white cows on that green hillside? But again, strapping that tripod along with his tennis racket to the side of the suitcase, might not that cause people to imagine that they were passing tourists from some distant point, maybe? And if they both disappeared, well then, they were not people from anywhere around here, were they? Didn't the guide say that the water in the lake was all of seventy-five feet deep, like that water at Pass Lake? And as for Roberta's grip, oh yes, what about that? He hadn't even thought about that as yet, really. Those three automobiles out there running almost as fast as this train. Well, in coming down from Grass Lake after one night there, he could say that he was going to marry her at Three Mile Bay, at the north end of Gray's Lake, where a minister lived whom he had met. He would induce her to leave her bag at that gun lodge station, where they took the bus over to Big Bittern, while he took his with him. He could just say to someone, the boatman maybe, or the driver, that he was taking his camera in his bag and ask where the best views were, or maybe a lunch. Was that not perhaps a better idea, to take a lunch and so deceive Roberta too? And that would tend to mislead the driver also, would it not? People did carry cameras in bags when they went out on lakes at times. At any rate, it was most necessary for him to carry his bag in this instance. Else, why the plan to go south to that island, and from thence through the woods? Oh, the grimness and terror of this plan. Could he really execute it? But that strange cry of that bird at Big Bittern, he had not liked that, or seeing that guide up there who might remember him now. He had not talked to him at all, had not even gotten out of the car, but had only looked out at him through the window, and in so far as he could recall, the guide had not even once looked at him had merely talked to Grant Cranston and Harley Baggett, who had gotten out and had done all the talking. But supposing this guide should be there and remember him? But how could that be when he really had not seen him? This guide would probably not remember him at all, might not even be there. But why should his hands and face be damp all the time now, wet almost, and cold, his knees shaky? The train was following the exact curve of the stream, and last summer he and Roberta, but no. As soon as they reached Utica now, this was the way he would do and must keep it well in mind, and not get rattled in any way. He must not. He must not. He must let her walk up the street before him, say a hundred feet or so between them, so that no one would think he was following her, of course. And then, when they were quite alone somewhere, he would catch up with her and explain all about this. Be very nice, as though he cared for her as much as ever now. He would have to, if he were to get her to do as he wanted. And then, and then, oh yes, have her wait while he went for that extra straw hat that he was going to— well, leave on the water, maybe. And the oars, too, of course. And her hat. 
and well the long sad sounding whistle of this train damn he was getting nervous already but before going to the hotel he must go back to the depot and put his new hat in the bag or better yet carry it while he looked for the sort of hotel he wanted and then before going to roberta take the hat and put it in the bag then he would go and find her and have her come to the entrance of the hotel he had found and wait for him while he got the bags and of course if there was no one around or very few they would enter together, only she could wait in the ladies' parlor somewhere, while he went and registered as Charles Golden, maybe, this time. And then, well, in the morning, if she agreed, or tonight, for that matter, if there were any trains, he would have to find out about that. They could go up to Grass Lake in separate cars until they were past Twelfth Lake and Sharon, at any rate. The beautiful Cranston Lodge there in Sandra. And then, and then, that big red barn and that small white house near it, and that windmill, so like those houses and barns that he had seen out there in Illinois and Missouri, and Chicago, too. And at the same time, Roberta in her car forward thinking that Clyde had not appeared so very unfriendly to her. To be sure, it was hard on him, making him leave Lycurgus in this way, and when he might be enjoying himself as he wished to. But on the other hand, here was she, and there was no other way for her to be. She must be very genial, and yet not put herself forward too much or in his way. And yet she must not be too receding or weak, either, for after all, Clyde was the one who had placed her in this position. And it was only fair, and little enough for him to do. She would have a baby to look after in the future, and all that trouble to go through from now on. And later, she would have to explain to her parents this whole mysterious proceeding, which covered her present disappearance and marriage, if Clyde really did marry her now. But she must insist upon that, and soon, in Utica perhaps, certainly at the very next place they went to, and get a copy of her marriage certificate too, and keep it for her own as well as the baby's sake. He could get a divorce as he pleased after that. She would still be Mrs. Griffiths, and Clyde's baby and hers would be a Griffiths too. That was something. How beautiful the little river was. It reminded her of the Mohawk and the walks he and she had taken last summer when they first met. Oh, last summer, and now this. And they would settle somewhere, in one or two rooms, no doubt. Where, she wondered, in what town or city? How far away from Lycurgus or Biltz? The farther from Biltz, the better, although she would like to see her mother and father again, and soon, as soon as she safely could. But what matter, as long as they were going away together, and she was to be married? Had he noticed her blue suit and little brown hat? And had he thought she looked at all attractive compared to those rich girls with whom he was always running? She must be very tactful, not irritate him in any way. But, oh, the happy life they could have if only, if only he cared for her a little, just a little. And then Utica, and on a quiet street, Clyde catching up with Roberta, his expression a mixture of innocent geniality and goodwill, tempered by worry and opposition, which was really a mask for the fear of the deed that he himself was contemplating, his power to execute it, and the consequences in case he failed. End of Book 2, Chapter 46